Imagine a bridge suspended between two worlds, one end firmly anchored in the soil of the earth, while the other dances among the stars. This bridge is the shaman, who has a sacred role to play in the collective consciousness. At first glance, a shaman may appear as an ordinary being, a member of the community, yet their gaze carries a depth that hints at the hidden wisdom they hold. They are the keepers of ancient traditions, the guardians of ancestral knowledge passed down through generations for our benefit. With rhythmic drum beats and sacred chants, they transcend the boundaries of ordinary perception. And through this trance, they navigate the astral realms, seeking guidance from ancient spirits and luminous guides. And in their hands, the shaman wields tools of power, feathers, stones, bones, plants, and more. Each possess a spirit of its own, a conduit for the energies of the natural world. And these tools were not mere objects, but extensions of the shaman's will, amplifying their connection to the source of all things. Building that bridge, making it stronger, crossing it again and again. Being a shaman is a sacred role. And this podcast episode will show you exactly why, thanks to my beautiful guest. Izzy is a former student of nursing and psychology turned shamanic Reiki practitioner, chakra expert, and spiritual coach, working to bridge that gap between science and spirituality. Her passion for quantum physics, energy healing, psychology, and spiritual theory combine to create a unique perspective on the human experience. And she currently serves as the director of Reiki Cafe University, a spiritual institute and podcast offering trainings in shamanic Reiki, coaching, and spiritual entrepreneurship. And she is here to tell us all about the sacred magic of shamanism today in this podcast episode. So stay tuned. You're about to shatter the f out of your manifesting ceiling because you're tuning in to the Spiritually Inspired Podcast, your number one resource for grounded spirituality and working with the law of attraction the right way. I'm Sarah Ray, I'm your manifesting coach, and this is the podcast where I teach mystics like you how to manifest on purpose, and hopefully get you to laugh at least once per episode. New episodes filled with manifesting, mindfulness, and magic come out each Friday. Give us a five-star rating wherever you happen to be listening so we can reach more modern mystics with spiritual awesomeness. Yes! And now, a quick word from this week's sponsor. You have unlimited manifesting potential. Yes, you listening right now have unlimited manifesting potential, regardless of what your current situation is. And I have made it my personal mission to help you shatter your manifesting ceiling through the power of private sessions. That's where you learn the secrets to manifesting on purpose. Trust me, you've never had a healing session like this before. We don't limit ourselves to just one type of healing modality. We pull out all the tools to customize your session to exactly what you need it to be. Spirit guides the coaching, the card reading, and the deep meditation. I channel it directly from them to you. Your spirit guides have profound things they can't wait to tell you. All sessions begin with a powerful tarot card reading to help guide the coaching and the crystal Reiki healing deep meditation session. There is a reason why what you want to manifest hasn't manifested yet. So let's figure out what your manifesting ceiling is, which phase of manifesting you're currently in, and how to move on to the next one using your spiritual specialties. Working through the four phases of manifesting will reveal the truth of what you really want, how to get it through energy transformation, and how the universe is involved. 
You don't have to do this scary work alone. I am here as your coach to support you all the way. I am here to guide you and inspire you through channeling and healing. And I can't wait to have a private session with you. Go to spirituallyinspired.co slash sessions to book your private manifesting session today so you can start manifesting on purpose tomorrow. Welcome, Izzy. Thank you so much for being here. Shamanism is one of those topics like light language or hypnotherapy or galactic communication for me, where I am very intrigued in like my personal spiritual journey. And I have received healing from professionals and I've in these modalities and I've gone that route, like on a personal level, but not on a professional level. So it's very, I have very little information, <laughs> very little context. And I'm, this is one of those topics, shamanism. And one of my clients and listeners, I should say some of my clients and listeners often ask me about this topic and I don't have answers for them, but I know you do. So I brought you here <laughs> so we can talk about it. So thank you for being here to talk about this beautiful, really complex topic of shamanism. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me to come and join and have this conversation. I think it's such an important thing to talk about, especially when we start asking those questions and getting curious that we're making sure we're getting answers from a source that we can rely on and trust. And I know that's how your listeners feel about you and hopefully by extension about me. So thank yeah. you. Absolutely. And I've been listening to you, like I was just telling you, listening to you on the Reiki Cafe University podcast for a few years now and that podcast in general for many years. So I know you are legit and I've been in your circles and I followed. Yeah, I know you're awesome. So let's, oh, just, lay, <laughs> let's just lay the foundation. What are we talking about? What is shamanism? Okay, so shamanism, when we look at what shamanism really is, there are a couple different avenues that we can take to explain what these practices are. And so at its foundation, shamanism is a collection of healing practices that originated with the Tungus tribe in Siberia. But the term shamanism now extends to a collection of healing and spiritual practices that indigenous peoples use around the globe. And so it really started as this very detailed, specific collection of practices from that tribe in Siberia. And as we have evolved, not only globally to be more connected across cultures, but also just in the various spiritual practices that are practiced around the globe, that term has come to be more of a broad statement of general healing that's connected to nature. And so nowadays, when we hear the term shamanism, what we're really looking at is a way of practicing spirituality, practicing healing, practicing mindfulness, etc., that deeply connects us to the healing power of nature and to the energy of nature. Shamanism is founded in this idea of what a lot of people term as animism, which is this belief that everything has energy, everything has a spirit. And by being able to connect with the spirit of the things around us, whether that's you know something that we consider to be inanimate, like the floor or the chair or the tree outside or your spirit guides or, or anything like that, when we can connect to energy that extends beyond our own, there's immense healing and wisdom to be found there. And so I think it's also important to start this conversation with the understanding that there's a difference between a shaman, shamanism, and shamanic practices because yes. it's it's really important. And I think anytime we have this conversation, there's of course going to be questions about, you know, cultural appropriation and what do we have a right to and and those deeper questions which are important to be asking. And so I want to set the foundation there with 
there's a reason that on this podcast we're using terms like shamanism or shamanic because when we say that someone is a shaman, that is a sacred honor that is bestowed upon a particular person by members of their tribe. I would never claim myself to be a shaman because I'm not. I'm not a shaman. I use shamanic practices, meaning that my spiritual practice is influenced by the shamanic way of viewing healing, but I myself am not a shaman. I do not have the right to that, nor do I have a tribe that has elected me to be their shaman. And that's really important because when we're talking about shamanic practices, we are not in any way claiming to have that title or to have those abilities or to have stepped into that cultural experience because it's vastly different than what we as, you know, new age, modernized Western civilization practice with shamanic techniques. And so a shaman is, again, that almost elected, quote unquote, but that chosen sacred individual who holds space as as the healing pillar of a tribe. And then when we talk about things like shamanism, that's the actual practice of putting those shamanic techniques into place and connecting with nature and being immersed in that culture and ability. Whereas shamanic is saying that the practices you're using are influenced by those shamanic techniques and ways of thinking. And so it's almost like varying degrees of intensity of what we're saying shamanism is. And I think it's important to put that at the beginning because there there are lines there and there are things that we have to be respectful and mindful of when we're using these practices. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up right off the bat. I had a feeling you would because I know you're very passionate about that and it is very important to talk about. I love that you brought up the sacredness of the title shaman and this is something that we all really need to be aware of because Lord knows anyone can publish anything at any point in time in any medium. So just knowing what that actually means, having that information is so empowering. And as you were talking, I feel like one of the things that's coming to my own mind, am I doing shamanic practices I don't even realize that I'm doing, which we should definitely talk about? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And I also had the very specific question of where did it originate? And that was like the first thing you said. And I just got to say, I appreciate that because everyone that comes on my podcast as an expert always has to share the origin story because that is vital to understand what we're doing. And I love that it's also a westernized sort of modern approach that you take to it so we can not necessarily gatekeep this these really beautiful sacred practices that deepen our understanding of ourselves thus impacting the whole collective but we can make it work for us without the the insulting parts or the potentially offensive parts where we might not even do that intentionally and i think people do this with all kinds of things i think about the amount of people who are just interested in things like chinese medicine and hinduism and, and buddhism like there's nothing wrong with learning about these things and integrating them and taking inspiration from these things yeah and i think where i get to with these ideas of things like cultural appropriation and what do we have a right to when we're beginning to gain interest in these healing modalities and sets of beliefs that aren't necessarily from our own culture is that we as human beings have a collective connection and collective right might be not the right term, but that inherent ability to connect with the energy around us, to connect with each other and to connect deeper within ourselves and find healing within us. And if that path is through something like Buddhism or Hinduism or shamanism or whatever it might be, I personally believe that so long as we are respecting the origins and understanding that there are levels of those experiences that 
we will not be able to access, nor do we necessarily have the right to access, because that's not what our human suit was put onto Earth to experience. And those those human experience of things like culture and and the ritual behind some of these practices, they are sacred and they are important. And we have to honor that, although spiritually, we may all have the ability to connect to this knowledge, there are those kind of human boundaries that also need to be respected and honored. And I think that there is the potential to be able to do that in a way that walks that line and balances the two really beautifully. And at the same time, I recognize that that's a place that I've landed in my personal practice through my own seeking. And I think that that's equally important is to be able to ask these questions for yourself and find what's right for you. Where is that line for you? And where do you feel like you can connect to these quote unquote alternative healing practices and still feel like you are standing in integrity and authenticity of honoring and respecting the origins and also yourself. And so I think that's always a beautiful place to start these conversations is with that self-reflection of what feels right to you and allowing that to be what guides you forward. Yeah. I have spirit chills. Yeah, I totally agree. I agree with everything you said. You said it so eloquently as you always do. So um, kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit, uh, how have you come to be here? Like, how did you become a shamanic practitioner or however, what I should ask, what title do you give yourself as a professional and how did you get there? You know, it's, it's so funny. Anytime anybody asks me this question, I almost have to pause and think about it because I feel like my answer changes depending who I'm talking to, because I think you get to a certain point when you're a spiritual practitioner that you're not really any one thing. You're just so many things and, and it just is what it is. But typically in shamanic spaces, I call myself a shamanic Reiki practitioner because for me, shamanism and shamanic techniques are deeply integrated into my Reiki practice. And so I have been practicing Reiki for four and a half years now. And I have always been a, a deeply spiritual person. This is not my soul's first time on earth. And so I kind of came in with a lot of clarity and a lot of insight that my soul allowed me to have from a very young age. And so through that, I was kind of always, you know, talking to trees and reading people's auras and I would astral travel at night and didn't know that's what I was doing. And so I had a lot of really spiritual experiences that I didn't know that's what they were. I thought they were just kind of universal experiences sure. that everybody has. And um, it wasn't really until I had my Reiki attunement and was opened up to this way of seeing this energy and this spirituality in a way that could explain why it was happening and what it was for and how we can use it that helped me shift my perspective from this is just an experience that happens and it just is what it is to this is actually a set of skills that we can develop and strengthen and use to help uplift not only myself but also you know the collective and so through that i found reiki cafe university and i'm now the director there but at the time i just found it because i was starting my reiki journey and uh, christine renee the president and founder kind of took me under her wing and she saw in me the ability to do a lot of these shamanic techniques kind of inherently and so she she trained me and she kind of 
molded me into the practitioner that I am today. And from there, it, it really has just been, I think, a lot of times I feel like there are two ways that people approach their spiritual journeys. I think there's the first way where it's like, it feels like things are just being added and added and added. And every day you're just gaining new knowledge and finding new things. And you're just full of that curiosity and passion and fire. And then I think there's this second route where it's, it feels less like things are being added on, but more like you're just shedding layers to remember who you truly mm. are. And and for me, that's how it's been. I haven't, I haven't necessarily felt like I've been discovering new abilities or building new techniques it's almost like i've been releasing the things that were holding me back from from using those things in the first place and so it, it really has felt like this natural unfolding to get to where i am today and so it's it's almost difficult to say this is how it happened because i totally get it that feels like it's always been that right. way right wow you just blew my mind i've you just put words and imagery to something that i think i always knew but i've never ever thought of it that way you're either really taking a lot of stuff in, which I know that was probably, that was me because I'm very similar. I felt like I've been spiritual my whole life and I've always, you know, communicate with the dead and whatever, yeah. but I've always taken in a lot. But that visualization of like shedding layers, I've known plenty of people like that too. That's so amazing. Wow, cool. I love that question. How did you get to be here? Because I, yeah, who knows how we actually came to be. <laughs> I know. And I think it's always so funny because it's like you can look back and, see your experiences and see the path that you got there and when you look back on it it almost seems inevitable like in in the moment mm. it feels like you have so many choices and it can be so overwhelming and what do i do now and then you look back and it's like no it, it was it was always going to happen that way yep i can relate to that for sure so then um what what are some of the uh sham sh i keep saying it wrong shamanic practices and techniques that you were kind of talking about earlier like was that be would that be like a good place to start where we kind of learn about how we can integrate this into our spiritual journey or kind of start dipping toes like how do we begin with this sort of thing if we're intrigued by shamanism oh that's a great question and i feel like it is similar to and i say this about reiki all the time i think that there's that phrase of when you're ready, the teacher appears. And mm -hmm. for me, shamanic practices really are one of those things where you do need a teacher or a mentor or a guide to be able to fully immerse yourself in it because there are so many details and layers and different ways of experiencing the practices. But I think to start the conversation, it's really important to understand what tools and techniques are part of that shamanic practice and, and what kind of falls outside the realm. And so one of the most important things that goes into having a shamanic practice is the ability to shamanic journey. And this is probably my favorite thing to talk about in shamanism because there are so many different ways of looking at it. And so we'll, we'll kind of start with the spiritual and then I'll go into more of the psychological aspect of it as well. Of when we're talking about a shamanic journey, what we're talking about is the ability to alter your state of consciousness so that you can gain access to higher levels of wisdom or energy, etc. And in traditional shamanic practices, when you shamanic journey, you are spiritually going to one of three different realms. There's the upper world, middle world, and lower world. And when we're talking about this, a lot of people instinctively think like heaven and hell, mm -hmm. which is not at all what we're talking about. And I think it's important to put that there from the start, because I know that a lot of people who find their way to more energetic practices are doing so through an experience of religious trauma or something mm -hmm. like that. And so it's important to make that separation here that 
when we're talking about upper, middle, and lower, what we're really talking about are what I call different intensities of energetic density. So upper world is very much that lightest, most ethereal realm, where when we talk about things like archangels or your spirit guides or Reiki energy, etc., those lightest, purest energies are going to be found in the upper world. In the lower world, that's where our densest or most tangible energies are going to be. And so this is where things like your power animals come from or tree spirits or nature spirits, etc. Those are going to be in the lower world. And so they're more recognizable in a quote unquote human form. They're things that we would recognize from our daily world, but still have that spiritual aspect. And then we have the middle world, which is almost like the mirror image of life on earth. Middle world is basically the spiritual representation of what we're experiencing on this physical plane. And so this is where it gets really interesting when we're talking about shamanic journeying, because we can approach it from two different perspectives, depending on where you are in your spiritual or healing journey. And so the first perspective really is from that spiritual perspective of saying that we are energetically learning how to tune into these different realms, these different beings, these different energies in order to be able to receive and give wisdom, support, and healing. The second way of looking at this is that when we are shamanic journeying, what we're doing is we're actually taking our brain waves into a theta state. So we're, we're bringing our brain waves into a place where we are calmer and more connected. And what this allows us to do from a psychological perspective is tune into our subconscious mind. And the reason that this is so powerful is because in daily waking life, we have this thing that we call a conscious filter, right? Where mm -hmm. all of this stuff in the 95% of our mind that is subconscious that was developed when we were really young and just tells us this is how you see yourself. This is how the world functions. This is how you interact with other people. That subconscious part of your mind is exactly that. It's below your consciousness. It's not something that you are aware of every waking moment. And the reason for that is because of your conscious filter. So you have all of these subconscious processes, thoughts, emotions, beliefs, et cetera, playing in the background. And your conscious filter is just kind of stopping them from coming up so that the conscious part of your mind that's deciding what to look at, what to eat, what to wear, what to say, can be what's most dominant in your mm -hmm. perspective at the time. But the problem with the conscious filter is that it stops us from accessing those deeper beliefs, wounds, emotions, and thoughts. And those are what often hold us back from healing. And so in order for true healing to occur on the deepest level, in order for it to be truly transformative and effective, we have to be able to impact and work with the subconscious mind. And so what shamanic journeying does is it allows us to access the subconscious mind in a way that still keeps us safe. Because at the end of the day, that's what the conscious filter is for. It's there to keep us safe. And so in a shamanic journey, when we're bringing our brainwaves into that theta state and we're bringing our parasympathetic nervous system into that activated place where we're in this rest and digest mode, we're allowing our subconscious mind to feel safe enough to express itself in images, sounds, words, feelings so that we can understand what's happening. And one of my favorite examples of this is, you know, for example, if you have been going through a divorce, say, and you're dealing with an abandonment wound and you're having that fear of abandonment and you're feeling like you're losing things and you're in that state of panic, your subconscious mind in a shamanic journey is not going to show you 
your divorce. You're not going to see a literal representation of this. What you might experience instead is you might go into a garden that's representing your heart chakra and the left side is shriveled and dying because our, the left side is, is our receiving mode. And so it's going to be this very symbolic representation of what's happening in your subconscious mind and it allows your conscious mind to become aware of what your wounds are what your emotional state is where your limiting beliefs are in a way that we can then work with and then move back into the spiritual side of working with our guides or our power animals or that energy to then help heal what's ailing us essentially and so it's this really beautiful holistic space of healing that allows us to go deeper than we typically can just in ordinary waking life. And I could keep going, but I feel like you have questions. No, that's perfect. No, that was perfect. You answered a lot of the questions that I had actually in just that little bit. Um, yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. shamanic journeying is really the basis of what we're talking about when we're yeah. talking about shamanic practices is if there's not that backbone of being able to journey again whether you choose to view journeying from a spiritual perspective in that we are actually energetically spiritually accessing different realms or you choose it to see from the psychological side of we're accessing our subconscious mind no matter what there's this backbone there and from there we start to branch out into the different tools and techniques that we can use to facilitate healing and so there are things like sound healing which is a big mm -hmm. part of shamanic techniques especially with you'll often see practitioners with a drum or a rattle and you'll notice that if you you know watch a shamanic ceremony on youtube or you find a shamanic healing soundtrack there's a very particular drum beat that's almost constant throughout all shamanic experiences and the reason for this is that drum beat is actually what's activating your brain to go into the theta wave state. Yes. And so it's actually this very scientific. Oh, yeah. Theory. Oh, yeah. We all know science is real. We all right, know that. Right. <laughs> and I find it fascinating because it's like this drum beat has been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And now we're realizing that, oh, there's actually a reason for this. But because those those tribes and those cultures were so connected to their energy, they knew this even before science was a thing. Right. And oh, I just yeah. find that fascinating. Oh, yeah. And so we Me too. Have, I love the the tangibleness of this yes. of that sort of thing. So we talk yeah. about that all the time here. So we are well aware okay, that right, all of amazing. this has scientific just, basis. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of my passions is I think yes, right now we have that like we have this desire as a culture, I think, to separate science and spirituality. And I'm a huge quantum physics and psychology nerd. And so the more oh, I too. study, the more I'm like they go they go together can we bridge the gap instead of keeping them separate well and there's plenty of people out there that are the same like myself included but there's also people with pull like of course joe dispenza is a good example and there's lots of people in the world out there that are like um we cannot forget that this is all real and there are so many studies being done that re reinforce ancient beliefs like five thousand year old beliefs and this involves all kinds of modalities not just shamanism but all kinds of things and now we just have a little bit more language to put to these spiritual experiences and it's a great time to be alive it's a great time yes <laughs> i'm glad i'm really glad that you brought up quantum physics and quantum mechanics and all that good stuff because i know you and i share that as well that we're very interested and very passionate about bridging that gap and i wanted to ask like how does that world? How does the world of quantum physics fit with a, sh a shamanic journey? Oh, that's such a great question. And I think my favorite way of explaining this is that I think what quantum physics really shows us 
is that there's so much happening beyond what we can perceive in the physical world. And when you think about, you know, my favorite example, and I'm sure you've probably brought this up on the show before, but this idea of like quantum entanglement and mm. the observer effect and these kinds of things where our intention is directly impacting the outcome of the experiment. Or if two electrons become entangled, no matter where in space or time, one of the electrons is if you impact it, the other will be impacted as well. And so it's really showing us that these concepts that we have of space and time are man-made. They're just that, they're constructs. And so we can reach into spaces where we can interact with and impact realms that exist beyond space and time. And it, I think when we're talking about a shamanic perspective, especially for someone who is new to this idea or who might be skeptical about, well, that sounds a little woo woo or whatever it is they might be thinking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think what quantum physics does is it gives us this lens to say, Yes, if you're just looking at these ideas from a purely human Newtonian physics perspective, it seems impossible and out there and wacky and all of the things. However, if we can give ourselves the space and the trust and the curiosity to go beyond just the physical, to go beyond you know, Newtonian physics and dive into the quantum realm or the energetic space, we can give ourselves and our minds proof that there are phenomena that we can't explain that go beyond what meets the eye and that give us this opportunity to understand that, again, things like space and time aren't real. And if we can accept that on a scientific level, then what are we willing to open ourselves up to on a spiritual level because of these ideas? Because right now we're in this, like you said, this amazing time of being alive where we have and are continuing to develop so many scientific tools and techniques that are giving us further and further insight into the fact that there's so much we don't know. Oh my God, right. And at the same time, those tools have a limit. There's only so much that mm. they can perceive. And so what I think quantum physics does, particularly in this case, is it gives us permission to honor and accept the fact that there's more to life, there's more to reality than we can see. And when we give ourselves that permission, we can then use ourselves as this spiritual tool to find out what is it that's happening beyond the physical? What is it that we can perceive once we've given ourselves permission to believe that there is something to perceive in the first place? Yes, absolutely. I first stumbled upon this whole concept of quantum physics, like probably around the time I first discovered Reiki, Reiki Cafe University several years ago. And then when you came on and you started talking about it in a really nice and concise and clear way is when it started to make more sense to me. And then I was able to understand some other literature and stuff. And it really is just the scientific community's word for energy. And, and they use the word energy, but not in the way that you and I would use energy. Um, yeah, if, you, if this is your first time, your exposure to all of what we're just talking about, I highly encourage you to dig into it because this is the the proof if you feel like you need proof yeah. quantum entanglement quantum physics is the quote-unquote proof i mean you know <laughs> as, yeah. i don't really like to use that word but you know what i mean but I'm, i know what you mean here. and i always yeah. think it's i always love to bring this up when we're talking about quantum physics and energy and i know this is kind of a side tangent but i think it's important That's okay. is, you know one of the first things 
that I hear from skeptics or, or members of the scientific community. And I went to school for nursing and psychology. And so I was I was deeply immersed in people who were very much rooted in that scientific and medical mindset. And yeah. one of the first things that you hear when you bring up topics like this is something along the lines of, well, energy's not real. <laughs> Right? right. Or that, you know, when we start talking about like Reiki energy or things like that, it's always this idea that there's there's not that energetic backbone to our reality. It it just doesn't exist. And I always love to watch people's faces when I ask them, did you take chemistry in high school or college? Because almost everybody will say yes. Right. Like, okay, great. You know about the atom and you know about protons, neutrons and electrons, which quite literally make up everything around us. We know that protons, neutrons, and electrons are just electrical charges, which is another way of saying energy. Mm -hmm. And so chemistry has already proven that energy is everything. And yet somehow we forgot to take the idea of an electrical charge and extrapolate it to the fact that we have quite literally just said that everything is made of energy. And I find that fascinating that it's it just, is. It's, it's such an obvious connection that nobody makes. <laughs> I know it's a weird psychological thing in the communal zeitgeist, if you will, where the general public like believes this, like energy is not real. Crystals don't do anything. Reiki isn't real. Like all this, like the general public believes this. But the thing is that the high level academics totally disagree. They are living in a whole other world because they have the knowledge and the understanding they've been studying it and they understand on a deeper level similar to you i know you're a high level academic as well <laughs> and i know you've done a lot of studying but yeah i mean the people who go and actually study is they understand that that is not the general consensus is not really um what the truth is and i'm not to say those people are stupid or anything of course everyone has the ability to understand and we all do i believe understand on an intuitive level on a soul level we do truly understand this but as you mentioned in the be uh closer in the beginning we have that filter in our brain that we choose to put things behind it is subconsciously and as a soul and certain things we're meant to go back there so we can go on very specific healing journeys and we're meant to go through this awakening as a collective and i firmly believe that this bubble will pop that because so many people at the top who are making decisions do believe that there is more going on that it will eventually trickle down and we're seeing this like i firmly believe that if you have a physician who doesn't think your mental health plays into the health of your body you cannot see that physician no respectable physician be be doesn't believe in this and this is what i'm talking about so and i know you would agree and i'm getting really big spirituals again right now <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we need to do a whole other topic on just this <laughs> oh my gosh i know i have spoiler i have an episode coming out about this very specific topic so yay <laughs> you called yay. me out um so i want to circle back to the actual journeying just a little bit because i'm under the impression that um this isn't something that just i can just go do in my yoga room right now <laughs> this is not this is not the same as just meditating and having a mystical experience while you're meditating for a long period of time so i would love to know a little bit more about the actual it, assuming that it's okay to share whatever you feel comfortable sharing um what this actually means like how not how but what does it look like to actually go on this journey as a person receiving it if that makes sense yeah absolutely so i think and this is where these conversations start to get really interesting because what we're not trying to do here is 
fear mongering, right? Mm -hmm. And saying that when we start playing with these spiritual things, we're, you know, in danger, or there's something to be afraid of, because there's not, right? We were talking just a minute ago about the observer effect and how our intention can impact the outcome of an experiment. And it's the same thing with our fear, right? If we are allowing ourselves to exist in a state of fear and worry and apprehension, we're opening ourselves up to those experiences. Whereas if we can step forward in confidence and trust and knowledge, then we're going to be keeping ourselves safe just because we know and we believe that we are. And so this is part of why I think it's so important when we're starting to embark on this journey of learning shamanic practices to have a teacher or to have a guide because it gives us that level of inherent confidence in our skills, in our wisdom, in our knowledge that will then allow us to be safe. And so I think it's important to start with that of this fact that it's not dangerous, it's not bad, it's not wrong, it's not any of those things. What it is, is it's opening yourself up to a new spiritual experience. And anytime we're opening ourselves up to a new experience on any level, whether that's the physical plane, the spiritual plane, the emotional plane, whatever it is, anytime we're opening ourselves up to a new experience, there is this element there of expect the unexpected, right? Because it's new, because we're embarking on this experience that we haven't had before. And so when we're talking about shamanic journeying, part of the reason that it's not something that you can just go, you know, do in your yoga room is because when we are playing in the spiritual realm and when we're starting to connect, it's just like the physical in that there is the light and there is the dark. And we need to be able to have the skills and the knowledge to understand which is which, to understand how mm -hmm. to interact with both. And I use the terms light and dark here very purposefully because I firmly believe that there is not a good and a bad when yes. we're talking about spirituality. They are both experiences that are important. And in that, we have lessons to learn and ways to interact with each side that will facilitate our own growth and healing. And so when we're doing shamanic journeying, I don't love this concept that often comes forward of you're not safe or you have mm -hmm. to know how to protect yourself like these kinds of of yeah. words like protection and safety i think that they misconstrue the experience because yeah. we're not in danger we're not being hunted we're not you know any of these things that can sometimes come to mind what we're doing is we're interacting with energy in a new way. And that requires us to have the skills and the know-how to understand what kind of energy requires which kind of interaction. And so one of the examples that I like to bring up, because I think everybody can kind of relate to this, is the idea of playing with a Ouija board. Like oh, I think God, anybody no. in the spiritual, yeah, I know. I think <laughs> anybody in the spiritual community is immediately like, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Because we understand <laughs> that it's, it's not that the spiritual world itself is inherently bad or wrong or any of the things. It's just there are those experiences that we don't want to open ourselves up to. We want to be able to stay in the love and the light and the healing. And when we are shamanic journeying, we're quite literally just going to explore the spiritual realm, which means that on some level, there is a potential that we could open ourselves up to something that we might not want to open ourselves up too, which is where the training comes in, because then you can choose when, where, how you open yourself up to those experiences if you want them and you don't have to have them. You can give yourself the tools and techniques to be able to understand how to handle, how to interact with 
all the different minutiae of the spiritual world and the different realms. And you can give yourself that confidence and that knowledge to understand that even when you're going into this different realm that you're not used to interacting with, that has so many layers and details, just like life in the physical realm, that you can then feel prepared and confident to be able to do that. Yeah. That was a great distinction. I really appreciate you bringing that up as well, because I often have to remind people I feel like that it's not a dangerous thing, but that doesn't mean that things that we would consider dark or dangerous, air quotes, aren't out there in the world. We just don't, we have to be very mindful and be very intentional when we're out there. And this is why you can't just go be doing this thing willy nilly. But it also, as a, another caveat, is that this isn't just happening all the time. <laughs> like right. you're not just susceptible to the things you don't want constantly. So there is that important distinction. This has right. been very interesting and educational, of course. I've, I always learn so much from you. Every, every time I get the honor of listening to you talk either on a podcast or in your guys' webinars, which are always killer, I love learning from you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I love teaching and sharing because like I said at the start, I think we all have the ability to connect with this and to heal ourselves simply by going in deeper and deeper. And anytime I have the opportunity to help either myself or others do that, it's always an honor. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell it's a very passionate thing for you. You're very passionate about it and it's clearly your life purpose and it's awesome. So I would love to give you the opportunity to tell us where we can find you and Reiki Cafe University and where we can just tap into more Izzy Awesomeness. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to connect with me personally, you can find me on Instagram at izzy.intothedeep. So that's I-Z-Z-Y.intothedeep. Or you can find me on my website, which is welcometothedeep.com. If you want to connect with me over at Reiki Cafe University, we have a lot of spiritual courses ranging from things like Reiki to shamanic practices to coaching to business support, etc. You can find us at ReikiCafeUniversity.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Reiki Cafe University. We do have a fantastic Facebook group called the Reiki yeah, Cafe Community Group that Sarah Ray is part of. <laughs> so if you want to join us over there, you can do that as well. And like I said, we do have a range of, of courses and also one-on-one -on -one sessions. So you're, if you're interested in taking this conversation deeper and working with me one-on-one, -on -one, there's definitely opportunity for that. Absolutely. And who wouldn't want that to be in yeah. your lovely energy with your expertise? <laughs> Thank you so much for being here and not gatekeeping any information. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a joy. It is. Thank you so much, Izzy, for always graciously sharing your wisdom with us in podcast form. I personally always feel inspired and calm and energized all at once each time I have the pleasure of chatting about spirituality with you, and I hope you listening can feel the same way. I learned so much about shamanism in this episode, and the three biggest takeaways are, number one, that there is a difference between shamans, shamanism, and shamanic practices. A shaman is a sacred title bestowed upon individuals who go through specialized training within their respective tribes. So if someone says they're a shaman, please do your due diligence and make sure they aren't appropriating that title. And number two, the reason we go on shamanic journeys and practice shamanism is to alter our state of consciousness to reach higher levels of wisdom and healing, etc. This requires specialized skills that shamanic practitioners hone over many years, building that bridge between this world and the next, using various tools and techniques to explore the spiritual realm. And it is totally safe. That's my third point. Shamanic journeying isn't unsafe. And at the same time, it is something that you will do with an experienced practitioner because it is not the 
the same as simply meditating and having a blissful experience. It is entering an altered state of consciousness to explore different dimensions for the purpose of healing and growth and receiving wisdom. If you enjoyed listening to Izzy's very calming voice, (laughs) then you'll definitely want to go back one episode to episode 158, where she is interviewing me about crystal healing and quantum mechanics and even more cool spiritual stuff where we're bridging the gap between spirituality and science. It's a really fantastic episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This has been episode 158 of the Spiritually Inspired Podcast titled Shamanism with Izzy Wells. I'm your host and your manifesting coach, Sarah Ray. And as you go on your way today, know that I am sending you an abundance of love, light, and inspiration. Blessed be, friends. Hey, you. Yeah, you, the mystical one. You are warmly invited to our next Reiki share inside of our free Facebook group, Twice per week, I go live on camera to offer channeled guidance from spirit and healing energy to all those who need it and want it with replays always available. And I would be honored if you would be a part of these magical circles. Go to spirituallyinspired.co slash free group to become a member for free and get your fill of healing crystal Reiki. I can't wait to see you in the group. Bye friends.